Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. In the last year or so, we've been sort of connecting a little bit more and he spends quite a bit of time with me, with the elders, and we go up to Enfield quite a bit. And it's been just a great relationship that's developing. So we feel really privileged to have him. He's got this growing international ministry, this growing church, and uh, I'm, I'm praying that he will impart faith to us today. So uh, that's been my prayer. So Toppy, you're very welcome. Why don't you come out and speak to us? Oh, thank you, Owen. Thanks to all of you. Good morning. morning. It's really, really is uh, great to to be here. I, um, as Owen says, we have a good and growing friendship. Know your leaders and so on, and uh, know about you guys. Been here actually on one other occasion, not on a Sunday morning, but a kind of midweek meeting. I was with a number of you in one of some hall you were in. So, uh, but to come, yeah, some hall somewhere, somewhere, you know. Well, to come back and see what the Lord is doing, have moments like that of corporate worship. And uh, so it's just really, it's a joy and a thrill really to be here, very uplifting. I'm going to read a few verses from the book of Luke, chapter 5. And I'm going to just speak a really simple gospel message to you. And I trust that you will be blessed. Um, So here we go. Luke, chapter 5, from verse 1. And on one occasion, while the crowds were pressing in on to hear him, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and the nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when he had brought their boats, when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Well, Father, we, I thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your church here. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for an atmosphere like this that is peace-filled and spirit-filled and Christ-centered. Thank you for the time we've just had singing about you and your name, no other name. No other name compares. No other person compares. No other truth comes close. Thank you, Father, for a church that is so hungry for the lost and all manner of evangelistic ways just to connect and engage with people. Thank you, Lord, for your thoughts towards this church because it's your church and you planted it. 
and you have intentions concerning it. Lord, as we come to your word this morning, would you, we bow down to your word. We don't stand proud of it. So I say, would you come speak to us and let your rich truths pierce our hearts again that we may know the reason, the reason for which we have been called, that we may live it out so that at the end of it, we all be edified and Jesus glorified in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, uh, just in case you don't know, one of my favorite people amongst you all actually is Pauline. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's not, it's not I, I came because of Pauline, not always. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, we, we, rarely, we rarely get to see each other. It's always some conference or something once in a real while. But it's, uh, and then to, I gotta say thank you to the band as well. I, you know, anytime I go out to preach, uh, I, th I, th I mean, I'm not a good preacher, so therefore you need all the help you can get, you know? <laughs> so if I, whenever I go out to preach, I will blast my music at the highest so that I am in the right place with the Lord by the time. Because sometimes you go to a church and the worship is like, okay, I'm not sure even God is attending this. <laughs> I'm just not sure the Lord is coming, so, and I'm done by then. I've got nothing. Those kind of sermon moments, I just... I read lots of verses, lots of verses to take the time away. But, um, yeah, true. But uh, really, on this occasion, I just felt, oh, thank you, Lord, those truths, that hymn, uh, the breaking of bread, none of these things are empty gestures. All of these are meaningful, impregnated with, uh, uh, because they come from the Lord and from the scriptures to the extent that we do it purposefully. It, the Lord is glorified and we are blessed by it. So I feel, I feel like coming back next week if you will let me because uh, this, this is a great time. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 12 says, and he who conquers, he who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. <coughs> says, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city, Jerusalem, goes on to say, in fact, I will give to him a new name. He who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the house of my God, in the temple of my God. I'll make him a pillar. And name will be written on him. The name of God will be written on him. The name of Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, will be written on him. A new name will be given to him. I'm tackling this uh, being made pillars. Because I, I, I really do believe that God wants to make every single person here not just an attender, one who comes regularly, not just a visitor, someone who is going part, not just a lodger that I come here. I'm, I, yeah, I go there, but I'm not really a part of them. He wants everyone to go way beyond that to become a pillar in the house. And that's important. Because pillars have different functions. At the very least, a pillar, you think of a pillar, you think of, it speaks of solidity. Something that is, it is solid, and it's solid because there is substance in it. It is not hollow. It is not easily moved. It is substantial. He wants to make you a substantial person. On these kinds of people, you see, he, he builds his church on them and around them and with them and through them. So that there is no room for anyone to having been saved to stay 
and just enjoy the scenery and yawn. No, no, no. There's so much more. To be made a pillar in the temple of my God, to be made solid. You Listen, a few times in my life I get to come around people that I can only describe as substantial people. Okay? I'm talking about Christians here, people who have walked with the Lord many years, and they've walked faithful. And I'm telling you, even before they speak, you just, you just get the feeling you're in the presence of someone. They are substantial people. And even when they say even ordinary thing, it seems to carry so much weight. So much weight. And when they say it, I hear it and I take notes. I hear it differently. There's something about, they have presence. There's people of substance. The pillars. They've walked with the Lord a long time and they're solid. Pillars speak of solidity. Not just that. Pillars also speak of the second word I put there for you. I'm about to change it around is stability. Because you think of a pillar, you don't look at a pillar and think this is something that's just going to fall off any moment. Because it is solid, it is stable, therefore it is established. Therefore, you can rely on it. See, when you, you move over, I move over to this pillar, and imagine at the end of the uh, service, uh, we're talking, and I just do this, and we're I don't even think of you. When you rest on a pillar, you don't think, you don't, ooh, ooh, my, we don't, you don't do that. You just, you, you, you do that. You even rest on it, you put your f- foot on it, and you do all kinds of, you, because it's a pillar. It can take it. It can handle it. It can be rested on and relied upon. He wants to make you a pillar. This is why it is not so helpful when someone is in the house of God. But instead of being a pillar, they whinge, they cry, they break down over every little thing. You cannot depend on them. You certainly cannot rest on them. You so much accidentally put a foot on them and they're leaving. They're not pillars. You know that people are not pillars because they move from church to church to church. They're not solid and put anywhere permanent and established. He says, I want to make you a pillar, solidity, stability. They can't be depended on. In fact, you can grow whole ministries around them. Solidity, stability, not just that, strategy. See these pillars? How do you think they came to be? You think, you know, they were thinking, you know, it'd be good to have a college around here. Yeah, we'll have a college. Well, how do you build a building? Well, uh, yeah, roof, we need a roof, we need a you know, floor, we need walls. How about pillars? I don't, I don't know. Chuck a couple of pillars in there. Really? Okay, where should we chuck them? I don't know, just arrange them all in one row. That's not how people put pillars in. The whole thing is thought through, completely deliberate. Completely calculated into place. It's purposeful is the point. That one there, equidistant to that one, to that one. and So that the pillars, you know, you walk around pillars, you don't even notice them half the time. But you'd be amazed what they're doing and they're carrying. They're silent, but they're there and they make things work. They enable other things to happen. He wants to make you a pillar. A person of substance, solid on the inside. He wants to make you a person that can be rested and that is dependable. Wants to make you a person that because you have so walked with him, he carefully places you deliberately and purposely. He places you in a place. So sad the Lord places a person in a place. I don't want to be in that place, Lord. What do you know? What do you know? 
keep quiet and do what the Lord said. Oh, no, no, no. So they give up the Lord's plan. They enact their own plans and wreck their lives. Pillars are not jumping, going all over the place. They're like, I'm here, Lord. Therefore, I'm all here. What would you have me do? How would you have me serve? Makes you think, how does one become a pillar? How does one become a pillar? Talking about pillars here, you know clearly I'm not talking about just, you know, concrete features here. <laughs> In Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible talks about James and I think it's John and Cephas, Peter, who seem to be pillars in the house of God. Think about that. The Bible calls those people pillars, which, to be honest, James and John, you can kind of have given not to. But Peter, now that one you're not sure about. I'm not sure. Because you read the story of Peter and walk through his life and his profile of this guy as given to us in the scriptures. This is a guy who, you get the picture of a person who is impetuous, doesn't necessarily think it through before he jumps and dives and acts. And right through his life, he has these kinds of... Mo- he is the one that Jesus, you know, you see Jesus, uh, the disciple Jesus is uh, uh, walking on the water there and uh, the storms and all of this. They think it's a ghost. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. Grown men crying. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. I know. And, all the- and finally, Pharaoh is Jesus. What, what would you do? You've gone from incredible fear that we're done here. Then you find out it's Jesus. I th- well, this is what I would do. I would be like, you know what, Jesus, I'm glad it's you. Just come on in and help us. Not Peter. He's like, call me out. Call me out. I want to walk on what I mean, it's a great story of faith, but you think it through. You'd be like, I'm not sure you want to do that one, Peter. Okay? We just went from one fear to another. <laughs> you know, call me out. That's Peter for you. He was, the, he was really the leader of the disciples. On one occasion, Jesus was going to go through a particular uh, village, and the people just didn't want him to. They didn't want the Lord. They came back with Peter saying, what should we do, Lord? Should we call down fire from heaven to burn them all? These are the disciples. These are the ones Jesus. These are the ones he's going to give, you know, not the future of Christianity. Should we burn them? Jesus said, no, no, we're not burning people. <laughs> like, we're Christians. How long will you? You don't get it, do you? We don't burn people. Oh, they said. This is the same Peter. When people came to arrest Jesus, Peter is the one that, before anyone could even talk, say anything, took a sword and slashed the guy's ear. Cutting ears in the name of the Lord is not what we're about. Peter did not know that. Slashed it off, standing there with a sword in his hand. Probably the Lord looking at him like, what, what? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, slashed. Slashed. Jesus had to go and heal that guy. <laughs> He's giving him work to do. Had to go and heal the guy. So you think about pillars, you don't think about a guy like this. You don't think about a guy like this. Except you read the end of the story. You see a man who having walked with the Lord. This is very moving to me because I feel like that guy. Having walked with the Lord, you come to the end of the story and he really is a pillar. He's going to stand up and teach and preach, and people will be saved. He's going to do signs and wonders and miracles. The church of Jesus Christ will become so established, just like he is established. And he started off as a fisherman who did not know his right from his left. I was pretty harsh and brutal and unthinking. 
and Jesus changed it. What is the process that one goes through being made a pillar? Well, at the very least, I think it starts, it begins with a moment of conception. Just concept. A moment where, when you talk about a baby child is being conceived, you think about something small has been dropped there and over time will grow into something. A moment of conception. And for Peter, tell you how it happened. It actually happens in John chapter 1, verse 42. In John chapter 1, Jesus has come about. Uh, he's, uh, he's preaching. He's an itinerant preacher. He's walking around. He's rabbi. And uh, people at that time, many, many rabbis came and went away. And so it was not a big deal that there's a rabbi. But the point is, though, people were constantly thinking, one day the Messiah would come. What he would look like, they did not know. They got it, frankly, all wrong. But every new rabbi, you kind of would listen a little bit. This new rabbi is preaching, it's Jesus Christ, and Andrew, Peter's brother, hears him. And when he hears him, somebody says to him, this is the guy. This is the Messiah. He goes to his brother, Peter, and says to Peter, we found him. And Peter goes with them, which says to me, no matter how harsh or brash this guy Peter was, he clearly must have had some kind of a heart for the things of God. He just wasn't in it. Perhaps a religious person. He was Jewish after all. He says, we've seen the Messiah. So he follows them and he goes there. And now think of the moment. Jesus is there and he's teaching and he's preaching. And there they are sitting down. Peter doubtless looking at the whole thing. When Jesus, towards the end of that time, he kind of stops his sermon and he looks at a particular guy, and the Bible says, and Jesus looked at him. This is Peter. And Jesus looked at him. Sometimes we read our Bible, we gloss over things we really shouldn't. Because that moment was critical, very tangible. He stops what he's doing, and he looks at it. This goes beyond a casual gaze. It's a very, very deliberate gaze where he looks. If I was to walk up to you right now, in fact, I think I might. <laughs> exactly. You think about that. If I, if I said to you, I'm going to walk in a few moments to walk to one of you and look you in the eye. It's just such a whole personal, intimate, different, awkward thing. But the Bible says that's what Jesus did. In the midst of everyone, he pulls him out and he looks at him. Not just does he look at him, he speaks to him. He looks at him and he says, you're Peter. He says to me, there's no one he does not see. There's no one he does not know. He knows you more than you. We live in an age in which people are trying to find themselves. So they're going to travel all the way to Brighton or Bangladesh or Burkina Faso and try. And they're just trying to find themselves somehow. You want to find yourself, go to your maker. He'll help you find you because he knows you through and through. Psalm 139, the psalmist says, oh, Lord, you have known me and you have searched me. You know my standing up. You know my sitting down. All my way, you are acquainted with all my ways. Where shall I hide from your presence? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I make my bed in hell, you're there. Make my bed wherever, you're there. Light and darkness, they're all the same to you. You see everything. It says this, listen. It says, you knew me when I was in my mother's womb. When I was being knit in my mother's womb, you knew me. 
says, you knew all my unformed substances. Think about that. All my unformed. So before I was even made or thought of, the items, the components, if you like, that God uses to make a human being. All my unformed, before I was formed, my unformed substances, you knew them all. It says you had them all written down in your book. And then you put me together. It means you were in God's thoughts before anything. That ought to confer value on you. That you're not a mistake or an accident. But that the God of heaven, you exist because he deliberately wanted you to exist in his mind and in his heart. How precious are your thoughts towards me, O God. How vast the sum of them. Same psalm, psalm he says. He looked at him and he called him by name. He said, you're Simon. Looked at him, spoke to him, and then he prophesied away. You're Simon, he says, but one day you will be called Peter. And he left it there. It was just a little moment of conception. He's sowing a seed there. This is how people get saved. It's very much in stages. It's very much in stages. Whether you recognize the stages or not, it is very much in stages. And for Peter, this is a very critical and important stage. How do you think Peter went home that day? If you had a moment like that, do you think you just go home and think, oh, it's interesting, and just forget it. I don't think so. I think you walk home differently. I think your pace is different because your thought processes is different. It's like that he knew me. From the moment he was looking at me, I, know, I just knew he knew me. And I said, if that wasn't enough, he called my name. And what was that about changing my name? I don't think you just go to bed early. I think you, I, I think you go to bed late because you're thinking the whole time. What was that about? And yet I would submit to you that I don't think that in that moment he was saved. He hasn't said anything. He hasn't done anything. But he experienced something. For his salvation, you'd have to come six weeks later. In that little place of Galilee, six weeks later, Jesus is preaching. And now he's going to go by the seashore, as it were. And he sees a number of boats, and the people are coming. And he, he has an idea he's going to get into one of these boats to just push it out a little, and then he can have the people in front of him. There are many boats there. He's going to choose one. Whose boat do you think he's going to choose? Simon's boat. Simon is a fisherman. Frankly, he has a fishing business. He had partners. The Bible tells us that. And Jesus is coming. Who knows? I mean, let me take a flight of fancy here. Or flippancy, you might say. Jesus is coming. If Peter saw him, I bet you, I want, Peter's probably thinking, oh no. Oh no. It's that guy. I bet he's going to come into my boat. I hope he doesn't come into my boat. It's him. It's him. He's coming this way. He's coming this way. He's coming this way. He's coming this way. And Jesus comes right up to him, calls him by name, Simon. You put your boat out a little bit. I need to preach to the people. You know, there are people who want God, but then they don't want God. But they want God, but they don't want God. And they have that kind of relationship with him. And yet it's like God keeps following them around. There's a, there's a poem called The Hound of Heaven by, I forget his name now. 
amazing Paul. I felt like that when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I felt pinned to the chair because I just went to the, what, in the cinema, the guy's preaching, and I'm like, oh. you know, I was taken there by my sister, you know, and uh, the guy's preaching and preaching and preaching, and my sister, well, no, my sister was not a I mean, we were not Christians, but my sister was particularly not a Christian. <laughs> if you get my drift, all the sins the Bible said not to do, she'd done it like two or three times each. <laughs> so, you know, this is a... The guy is preaching, my sister breaks down in tears, and this was in the university. She's, she, she, she's also, my sister was like really cool, dressed up like, well, by the time this guy finishes preaching, there's snort everywhere, the whole thing is gone. You know, they give her a call, she goes to the front. Unbelievable. She's the kind of girl that will kind of feel, I won't be seen with those riffraff people. <laughs> but middle of this, before they gave her a call, she wanted to jump out and say, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. And then at the end, they give a call. She goes, I did not. I sat there in my seat. And I'll tell you this. I felt like, it felt like, and I still remember it till today, like God came to me and walked up to me and said, you choose today who you're going to follow. It felt like for all that was happening, this is in Nigeria, there are thousands of people in this church. It's like it picks me out. It's like God picks me out. And frankly... All the stuff is happening up front now. Those giving their life to Christ, he comes to me where I am sitting. But you choose today who you will serve. He settled it for me. I didn't go to the front. I didn't cry. I didn't break down. But from that day till today, what was conceived became a big thing in my life. I'm a Christian. Not because I came to him, but because he came to me. This guy, Peter, Jesus gets, to, comes to him and gets in his boat. I'm going to talk to you about the reality of conversion. Jesus gets in his boat and Jesus does his preaching. At the end of the preaching, Jesus says, My goodness, stop for a second, this sermon. I don't remember what time I started. Are you sure? Okay, because I'm Nigerian. I could be here till, t- <laughs> I could be here till Tuesday. <laughs> so. <laughs> Jesus finishes preaching. People are gone. Jesus looks around at them and says, uh, how's the fishing business going? It just so happened that on that day they didn't catch any fish. Now, let me stop there. How many just so happened in life do you want before you realize somebody is orchestrating this thing? I mean, what, he just, Peter just so came on that day when Jesus is preaching? Jesus just so picked his boat? I don't think it just so happened they didn't have fish on that day. I think there's a silent hand of a sovereign God behind the scenes orchestrating matters. He said, well, no, we haven't caught anything. We've been there all night. Night is the time that the fish, there's no sun, they come to the surface. This is going to be, we haven't caught anything. So Jesus says, I'll go back out. And put the nets on this side of it. To which Peter, the guy who has his love-hate relationship with Jesus, you're about to see one of his, uh, you know, almost hate moments. Because the whole time he's doing, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. He's like a good African Christian. Yes, 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 yes. Until when it comes to live the life, he's like, I'm not sure about it. That's Peter. 
like, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus said, yeah, go out and do it. Now he's like, what, you're going to, let me paraphrase this. What, you're going to tell us now how to fish? You're going to tell us now how to fish? You know, I've been a fisherman all my life. My father's been a fisherman. In those days, you know, you basically went into the, you know, whatever carrier your parents were in. You're going to, we were there all night. If we come back, we have a fishing business. We're partners. We've been doing this. If we come back and say there's no fish, there's no fish. <laughs> it's basically what is There's no fish all night. Probably by now the sun has come right. It's like, but you know what? At your word. See, sometimes we read that thinking he's like, at your word, Lord. I don't think so. I think he's saying we've been there all night. Nothing has happened. I don't think anything is going to happen. But you know what? You're the rabbi guy. And I'm not a disrespectful guy. It's not like I hate God or anything. Yeah, at your word, we'll do it. So they go to do it. Guys, come, let's go. So they go. But I, um, they do the whole deal. The fish, unbelievable. Somebody said, I can't remember who, said, it's like all the fish in Galilee began to work their way into the nets. <laughs> this is a miracle happening here. And all the, so much fish that they couldn't, they needed help. This is important, by the way, because just in case they're going to come out and say, well, you know, well, we kind of did it. They, they would know you did not do anything. This is different. This is a, they had to call the other people to come help them. They bring the fish over to land. Now I ask you, what would you do if you were Peter after this? I know what I would do, because I'm Nigerian and I, I'm into business. Because a guy turns up, I don't know how we did it, but the fish respond to this guy. This is a business deal waiting to happen here. It really, you want to say to Jesus, you know what? Okay, I don't know how you did it, but I'll, I'll give you your peace. You know, you, you are a rabbi, and you're good. So here's the deal. If you could come here every Thursday, <laughs> you know, I'll be here on Thursday. You know, you do your bracket bracket thing. I'll do my thing. I sell the fish. And we will share this thing equally. You get 30%, I get 70%. And we're done. This could be a good life for you and for me. I'm doing it for your ministry, Lord. He could have that's what I would have said. That's what you this guy's a finisher man, he's a businessman. That's how they think. He doesn't say that. What he does say is, says, depart me, depart from me, O Lord. He says, because I'm a sinner. The reality of conversion is this. You recognizing that you are a sinner. Nobody gets saved by thinking you're good enough. That is just demented, stinking thinking. You're really not that good. You're really not that impressive. Just people tell you so. You're really not. Compared to, ask God if you're impressive. And then he'll help you know. Sin is not the thing you did wrong. It's the very nature in which, from which you were born. In that moment, he, rec- he sees Peter more than ever. I mean, think, what does sin have to do with fish? But he connects it. This is a holy man. 
and it shows me up for who I really am. Recognizing that you're a sinner. But also, secondly, it involves recognizing him, his majesty, recognizing him as savior. He says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. What is so interesting to me is this, is that initially when he's talking to Jesus, Jesus has put out, he says, oh, master, we have been, he calls him master. That's a respectful, good term. Now, after he's seen the demonstration of sovereignty, he calls Jesus Lord. He says, I am a sinful man, oh, oh, Lord. It's seeing Jesus not as a bright, sensible, intelligent guy who did one or two. No, 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 no. He was not a philosopher. That's not the point. He was the son of the living God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. That's the one we serve. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter recognized it in that moment. So much so that Peter, would, they would leave everything and follow him. And from that moment, that becomes the moment of real conversion. And the conversion is from being a sinner to becoming a saint, where he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, he calls them saints. And that's who you are. Or you should hear Terry Virgo preach about those who are saints. Saints, you, it's all changed now. Which means, irrespective of how you see yourself, it's how he sees you from that point on, is that you're a saint. That's good news for me when I mess up. That I know that I am still accepted and I am still loved, and I am still vantaged and valued by God. Begins really with conception, and then the reality of conversion finally draws to a conclusion here. And I want to talk about the powerful commission. They would walk with Jesus. They left everything and they fought. They left everything and followed him. Everything. So their lives now is around him. And he's the center of it all. One day, Jesus says, what do men say that I am? Oh, some say you're this, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you. By the way, you might notice, nobody said he's a thief. Nobody said he's a rogue. Nobody said he's lazy. There's a way that as Christians we have to conduct ourselves that the worst they will say about you is to relate to you is to reference you to a prophet or something good, not something bad. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, the scripture says. Nobody called him anything negative. Then he said, but, okay, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says in the end, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Three things. You are the Christ. You are the son. And you are God. That's important. Jesus Christ is God, in case you haven't heard it straight. He really is. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says to him, and I say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gifts of hell will not prevail against it. Think about it. I say, you are the Christ. And he says, and I say to you, you are Peter. It's on this day that what Jesus had prophesied in John chapter 1, it's on this day that it comes to reality. He prophesied your name will be Peter. It's in this moment that his name actually becomes Peter. And meaning a rock. Meaning that which is solid. That which is stable. That which can be depended upon. He becomes a pillar. And by the way, we read it in a way that is so cute and reformed. Let me tell you, there's something powerful where Jesus says to him, and I say to you that you are Peter. 
hear it as he is speaking something into his life. And in that moment, he becomes solid. And I say to you that you are Peter. And then he said, and I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, you bind whatever you lose on earth. In that moment, he's commissioned, just like you and I are. Keys of the kingdom to open, to ignite, to start things to go. He wants to make you a pillar and me. And for everyone that will remember these simple truths, you're not a pillar because you've memorized verses and can spout them. You're a pillar because he said so, and you're living out the reality of it. You're a pillar, and if it's true, then by the fruit you shall know them. There's a way that you are in the house of God, with the things of God, with the truths of God, and with the destiny that he has put in your heart to live out, helping society, reviving people, redeeming, helping, being so connected into the Christian work of the gospel. You become an evangelist. You're not thinking, shall I, shall I not? You become that. Why? Because you have had an encounter with the Son of the living God. My prayer is that he who has begun a good work in you, Beacon Church, because this is who you are. It doesn't matter where you meet. It just matters who you meet when you come. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. My prayer is that he who has started a good work in you, that he will perfect it and perform it for his glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.